Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, I'd like to invite you to stay with me. 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, a whole lot of education, but uh, absolutely none, none, no manipulation, no hidden agendas. We're not salesmen. We're not trying to coerce you into buying anything. We're not trying to get you to join up, fess up. We are just here to give you accurate information. Information, I believe, will help you verify and identify the plan of God for your life. And you, of course, have the privilege to orient and adjust to the plan. God gave you volition. He gave you the ability to choose. That's a wonderful part of your soul. Volition. V-O-L-I-T-I-O-N. You can say, yes, I'll listen to this guy. Or you can say, no, I think I got something better to do. It's up to you. My job is not to entertain you. My job is to accurately give you information. I'm not a comedian. I'm a communicator. And I can promise you this. If you listen to me, if you stick around, if you listen to these radio shows, you'll get accurate information, not human speculation. And what you do with it is between you and God. I love hearing from you. I love hearing from those of you who write and tell me how the Lord has um, <clears throat> given you some insight into things in your life, how he's challenged you, and that's why I've made this commitment for so many years doing these radio shows, because I believe that God's in it, and God does pay for it, and I believe that you're out there and that this message is for you. I know that our country's in trouble, and I know that unless someone like you steps up to the plate spiritually, that you become a spiritual and visible hero. That's the only way this nation can be delivered. There must be a remnant of mature believers, sort of like what Gideon had when he only needed 300 to defeat that Midianite army. Now, I'm not looking for people to join the Tea Party, no. I'm not looking for people to join the Republican Party, no. I'm not even looking for anyone to join the Democratic Party. I'm looking for people who have a hunger to grow in the grace and the knowledge of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm looking for people who realize that the solutions to what lies ahead in this country are spiritual solutions. Such as Second Chronicles says, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face and pray, then I'll heal their land. And that's what we must do. It begins with us, it begins with you, and it begins with me. And we must seek the Lord's guidance. We must learn God's word and execute the plan that God has laid out for all of us. Because if we don't, we simply wind up doing all those right things in the wrong way. And then it just gets to be ritual without reality. Listen carefully. Ritual without reality is meaningless. And yet, unfortunately, that's what happens in a lot of churches. It's just ritual, and there's no reality to it. I want to show you something that may shock you today. This is important. I hope you're listening to me. I'm going to the book of Acts, and I'm going to read from Acts chapter 18. 
beginning at verse 24 and going through verse 28. This is the story of Apollos. Here's what it says. A certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Now stop there just for a second. Alexandria was a very important city. It was, in fact, the cultural and educational center of the world at that time. As a matter of fact, what we call the Septuagint was produced there in Alexandria. This Bible goes on to say in verse 25, this man, that's Apollos, had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. In other words, he's very zealous. He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples there in Achaia to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicity, publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus Christ is, that Jesus is the Christ. So what we have here is we have a man who was very eloquent. Let's get a couple of points here. One, he was a wordsmith. He was skilled in literature. He was skilled in history. He was not some dingbat. He knew exactly what he was talking about. And secondly, no one can think and no one can express themselves without having some sort of vocabulary. That's what makes people appealing sometimes is the extent of their vocabulary. And three, the process requires you to think differently, thus acquiring a different vocabulary and a different frame of reference. Now, when I say the process, I'm talking about the process that God has for all of us to learn. See, if we're going to be winners in the plan of God, if we're going to be those people that hold this nation together, then we're going to have to do the right thing in the right way. We're going to have to learn the process. And we must think differently. We have to acquire a different vocabulary. You can't just use words like Lord willing or I prayed about it. Those words are wonderful, but what do they mean? But when you learn words like grace orientation, doctrinal orientation, the faith rest drill, the filling of the Holy Spirit, rebound, problem-solving devices like we talk about on this radio show, then you have a frame of reference. What was happening here with Apollos is that he was teaching the baptism of repentance in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. He did not know, he did not understand, he did not realize that the Messiah had already come. He didn't understand about the finished work of Christ on the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, or the sending of the Holy Spirit. Remember, this is well after Paul the Apostle has already been to Ephesus. And so even though Apollos was an unbelievable man, he wasn't accurate. 
Let's follow this train of thought a little bit further. A disorganized mind is a result of lazy thinking and thus can be easily captured by false teaching or intriguing suggestions. And so God wants you to organize your thinking. If you think I'm wrong about that, listen to the Bible. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. And so the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, stop thinking in terms of arrogance beyond what you should think, but think in terms of humility, as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. So we are what we think, and our minds cannot be disorganized. We have to have organizational skills, and that includes a routine in our life that leads us to spiritual maturity. There's really no excuse for being spiritually ignorant. And I run into this all the time. I run into people that love God, people that genuinely love God, and yet they are, and for lack of a better term, not spiritually mature. And if you attempt to teach them something, if you attempt to go into depth with the scriptures, it bores them, and they might even fall asleep. And they certainly are not going to come back because you're not entertaining them. You're not a uh, road show. You're, uh, you're teaching. And so when you say bring a Bible, bring a notebook, and be prepared to take some notes and learn something, that's the last thing they want to do. Hebrews 5 talks about people like this, a writer of Hebrews who very well could have been Apollos, says you've been saved a long time, and he says you ought to be teaching others, but you're not. And he said you need to go back and learn the very first basic doctrines of God. And he said they're dull of hearing, not sharp, they're dull. I was just in my workshop today sharpening one of my pocket knives. I love a sharp pocket knife. And so I have a little machine, and I put the knife in the machine and turn it on, and it gives a wonderful sharp edge on it. And I love sharp people, people who are lucid, people who have cognitive ability, people that can think clearly and accurately. And that's exactly what God is looking for, too, because those people those are the kind of people that can represent him with accuracy and integrity. So learning and understanding the mystery doctrine of the church is part of the process. This was something the disciples did not know. When they joined up with the Lord Jesus Christ, they were convinced that the kingdom was about to come. And also, some of them, two of them in particular, James and John, came with their mother and asked the Lord when the kingdom came if they could sit on his right and left hand. But our Lord was rejected. Our Lord told them over and over again, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, I'll resurrect. And they couldn't get that in their mind. They couldn't understand. There was the kingdom, as they were looking for, would be postponed. That kingdom has not come. It will come in the millennial reign of Christ when he returns after the tribulation and sets up his millennial kingdom for 1,000 years, yes. But until that time, the church age 
has been inserted. It's called the mystery doctrine of the church. And the disciples had to learn it from the Lord Jesus Christ. He had to shift their thinking away. And as he did this with parables, by the way, and he had to shift their thinking away from a kingdom that he was going to set up since the Jews had rejected him and plotted to kill him, shift that thinking away to what was going to come, which was the church, the body of Christ, and that Gentiles would be brought in to the family of God. They had to learn dispensations. And I don't know if you've ever heard that term or not, dispensations, but it's critical. In understanding the Bible, one must understand dispensations. And so being very eloquent like Apollos, that's an ability to express your ideas with clarity. But it does not, and I repeat, it does not guarantee accuracy. I have heard some very eloquent speakers, Christian speakers, and they were sharp. They were smooth. Some were from England and had a, an English accent and spoke a bit like this, and they sounded so godly when they said, the master would have you. You know, they just sound like great, wise people until you listen to what they're saying. And even here in America, some famous pastors who often are on the television or radio, and they are great orators, and they sell many, many books and tapes, but they're not accurate. Accuracy is the key. And being eloquent does not guarantee accuracy. See, there is a difference between someone being an eloquent speaker and someone being an accurate speaker. And that's why I read this to you about Apollos. He was very eloquent, but he was not accurate. He did not have the dispensations correct. He was still preaching the message of John the Baptist. And Paul had been to Ephesus, and already uh, he had converts, and these converts were the ones that pulled Apollos aside and said, wait a minute, Aquila and Priscilla said, we need to have a word with you. You appear to be a man of God, and you love God, but you're behind the times. You don't know what's happened. And they gave him information of what had actually taken place, and he received it. That's the key there. He had enough humility to admit he had been wrong. That is genuinely wonderful because it is hard to find someone in the ministry who would actually admit to being wrong. Now, his message, the message of Apollos, was anachronistic. In other words, I mean he had an error in his chronology because he misplaced events and he misplaced persons in relation to each other. But just because he had great speaking ability does not ensure accurate content. Because without correct content, then what anyone says is just useless rhetoric. And it's true in organized religion as well. If you don't have accurate content, then it becomes ritual and there is no reality to it. So Apollos had ability, but he didn't have the content. Here's another principle I want to leave you with. 
never let appearance, ability, or associations with someone you love sway you away from the content of what they say. You hear me? I've had friends that have had this happen to them. They got very, very, very close to individuals with authority, pastors, and they loved them. They were personal friends. And when the pastor took a right turn and went away from what was truth as we know it into a different vein saying, now I've got some additional truth, well, they followed him because they were close to him. They let their association sway them. In other words, instead of saying, no, I'm sorry, I love you, but I don't believe that, they went with him and they trusted him. And he led them the wrong way. So never let appearance or ability or association sway you away from content. Good old Apollos knew the message of John the Baptist. He didn't know the church age was there. He didn't know the Holy Spirit had been sent. He did not know there was a dispensational shift taking place. He did not know the ways of God. And here is a very critical point. If I could say this and have you repeat it, I would. Here's the point. You can know God, but not understand the God you know. Did you hear me? You can know God, but not understand the God you know. As members of God's family, his royal family, we represent his interests during our stay in this body of humility on this earth. And we must understand the God we know. That's critical because there are people that know God. I run into them all the time. They are genuinely born-again Christians. They know God, but they don't understand the God they know. And in essence, they don't understand grace, many of them, and they don't understand the protocol plan of God. They certainly have no understanding of personal and impersonal love. They have no understanding of grace orientation or the faith rest drill. And most of what they do is ritual without reality. They're faithful to their church. They're faithful to give and support and attend. There's no reality to what they do because you can see it in their lives. There is no growth. The growth isn't genuine. It isn't real. So Apollos had been energized by the message of John the Baptist concerning the coming of the Messiah, but he did not even know it had already happened. So once he got it straight, once Aquila and Priscilla got him tagged up, straightened out, he became a real game changer. Acts 18.26 says this, When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And then when he desired to cross to Achaia, they wrote letters exhorting the disciples to receive him. In other words, they endorsed him. And when he arrived, he helped those who had believed through grace. And he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Now, Paulus is not the only one that misunderstood some things. If we go to the Apostle Peter at the Mount of Transfiguration, you may remember that. You may remember that Peter 
wanted to establish three tents, one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah that was there, Moses and Elijah were there with him on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. And you may remember that he had all the right ideas, but he wanted to do something wrong. And God had to tell him, the voice of God spoke loudly and said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. In other words, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. See, he forgot the basic message that the Lord Jesus Christ had taught him. I must die and be resurrected. He was ready to establish. He thought the kingdom was there. There was Jesus. There was Elijah. And he knew the kingdom had come. And he was ready for the Feast of the Tabernacles. Listen, emotion and enthusiasm can sometimes override exactitude. I'm going to say it again. Emotions and enthusiasm sometimes overrides exactitude. In other words, if someone comes along who is very eloquent and very enthusiastic about some new doctrine or some new direction that they've discovered in the Word of God, do you jump on the bandwagon or do you check it out? Do you compare Scripture with Scripture? There are people that actually have contracts with publishers to come up with new material every year. So they've got to come up with some, some new material, and they'll put it in a book, and they'll put it in a workbook, and they'll put it in DVDs, and they'll put it in CDs, and they'll hold conferences on this new thing they've discovered. And most of the time, it's just ritual without reality. It's human good because the base bottom line of it all is never, hardly ever, will they teach them how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you don't understand how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then everything you do is in jeopardy because you could be doing all the right things in the wrong way. And by that I mean you could be serving God as you think you are. But if you have unconfessed sin in your life, then you're only producing wood, hay, and stubble. And the first thing that must be understood is as a Christian, how am I filled with the Holy Spirit? And you should know, you've heard me say, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. You're filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. But your sin will quench the Holy Spirit and grieve him. But when you confess your sin, when you apply 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all of our wrongdoing. When you rebound, when you name that sin to God, then you reinstitute the filling of the Spirit and you resume your spiritual journey. And this may happen 20 times a day, but every time you name a sin, God will forgive you. Every time you sin, you quench the Holy Spirit. At any one point of time in the course of a day, you are either, as a Christian, under the filling of the Holy Spirit,
are under control of your old sin nature. There is no gray area. There is no in-between. Either you're in fellowship with God by the filling of the Spirit, or you're out of fellowship with God. So remember, enthusiasm and eloquence does not guarantee accuracy. Accuracy has to do with the content of the Scripture, not the communicator, not the person that's speaking. But does he have the content accurate? Does the message stray from grace? Does it stray from grace, especially in the giving department where people talk about money and solicit money and solicit funds? And they may say it's free, but for a gift of nineteen ninety-five, you know, that's that's bull. If it's free, it's free. If it's not, it's not. And so the word of God never authorizes us to sell anything. And so does the word of God that the person teaches, the eloquent Oh, the enthusiastic person. Does that change the modus operandi in your life away from grace? Does it put you under some sort of legalism or put you under some sort of uh, gimmicks, something like that? Does it stray away from the description of your spiritual gift? Because enthusiasm does not guarantee accuracy, not any more than eloquence. Both of them are wonderful in the right place. But you can never be a game changer for God just because you're enthusiastic and just because you're eloquent. You must be accurate. And it starts by understanding how the protocol plan of God works, how, in fact, it works by means of God, the Holy Spirit, because the Christian life is a supernatural life, and you cannot live it in the energy of the flesh. It must be lived by means of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is the energy to live the supernatural life. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ sent him. That's why he said, when I go away, I'll send the comforter and he'll guide you, teach you, he'll lead you. And maybe that's why he led you to this show today, so that you might hear some accurate information. I hope you're listening and I sure hope you're learning. And if you ever have a question, don't hesitate to contact me. I'll do my best to answer you. You can write to us by mail, simply sending to P.O. Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. Or you could go to the website, and you can email us from the website. That's rickhughesministries.org. rickhughesministries.org. And there on the website, you can listen to any of the radio shows, including this one, or shows that we've had in the past. And uh, so if you'd like to listen to these shows on the process, there are about four of them up there right now. I want to thank you for listening today. Thank you for paying attention, staying with me for 30 minutes. And it is my humble prayer that God the Holy Spirit would challenge you in regards to what you've heard this day, and that you'll come and join us next week. Same time, same place, for more of The Flatline. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.